Welcome to episode 23, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Off to a great start. <laughs> Welcome to episode 23 of the Cinesnob podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viavagna. And I'm Kiko Martinez. All these numbers get away from me. Sorry. You know what that means? We're almost, when we get to 26, we've been doing this half a year. Yeah. Oh, is that what that means? Well, because there's 52 weeks in a year and we do one uh, week. But we skipped a day, week, so. Well, so. Remember? We, we all got lazy that week. <laughs> it was Memorial we Day hungover. weekend. It was it was Labor Day weekend. I'm sorry that we skipped. Anyway, it is November now. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Are you? Uh, Did you do with... anything fun for Halloween? Uh, I fell asleep watching TV. <laughs> Actually, we went we went and had. Uh, I went and uh, met my fiance. She was shopping at, uh, you know, the store Ulta. Does your wife go there? Is that a makeup store? Yes. No. I mean, I don't think so. Oh, well, she's like, meet me here. And I'm like, uh, I'm going to go over to Barnes & Noble next door. So that's what I did. You didn't Halloween. need to pick up any mascara. That's what you're saying. I was, I'm was. i good on mascara. Okay. I picked up a uh, discounted uh, Stephen Colbert book. The, uh, have you ever read those, either of you? Which one? This was... Uh, um, I have I Am America, and so can you. I love that book. And this is the sequel to America Again, Rebecoming the Greatness We Never Weren't. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it for like seven bucks. Um, and then I we ate Chick-fil-A and then went home and handed out candy. Oh, today's Sunday, so Chick-fil-A is not open. Crap. Yeah. You said Chick-fil-A and I wanted it automatically. Yeah. That's how things work. That's how you always want Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. Yeah. Let's. What other things do you want automatically after us, after people saying them? <laughs> <laughs> Many things. Hey, so it's, uh, it's also uh, No Shave November. You heard of that? I yeah. have not, but I don't have, I don't, that's not a problem I will have. <laughs> See, I'm, uh, this is two days growth right here on my face. See, you have a five o'clock shadow. I, and it's early too for a five and o'clock And it's daylight shadow. savings, so you're a, an hour behind on that. I don't even know what time it is right now. Yeah, it's a uh, fallback. Can you grow a f- hair like Cody, facial hair like Cody? Cody's mustache is uh, thicker than mine yeah. gets, but, uh, it looks like one of those black caterpillars you find on the wall. <laughs> I can't do uh, – Cody's does a little – you're a little further down the neck than yeah. I like to go. Yeah. Well, I just don't care. So okay. <laughs> I just I just let it grow and then when it gets too itchy, you just – You ever trim, trim it? it? Like with a like the electric trimmer? Mm-hmm. That's a weird process, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't – I mean – I just I don't know why we're talking about this in any Because <laughs> it's detail. no shave November. Come on, Cody. But I just, and you have the fullest beard right now. I kind of I kind of just let it grow for a couple weeks and then I trim it and then let it grow again. I haven't been clean shaven in a long time. Have you ever <laughs> I'm just thinking cuz he looks young even with a beard and a mustache. Could you imagine if did you ever shave the whole thing off? Every so often, maybe like once every couple months. Have you I ever do. considered the whole thing, really? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've seen him bald faced recently <laughs> have you ever considered just leaving the mustache no i would never ever <laughs> i would never the, the mustache the, the singular mustache is the creepiest thing ever i mean i i don't understand how people do it i just think it's so weird what about the mustache goatee combo yeah the that'd be awesome that's that's a little i mean i guess that's a little bit more acceptable i think the must i think the mustache had its moment in like Every way, like any any year up to like the two thousands, and then once you got to a two thousands, it just became creepy. Well, it, that's the that's the whole hipster thing now, though. You well, wear, it is coming. You back. wear a tank top and and uh, really tight shorts. <laughs> yeah, I would I would never ever and, do that. 
You ride like a tall unicycle. I'm just I'm just throwing out Austin stereotypes. Oh, right I've now. seen I've seen that here. When I was at I was a UTSA a few I guess months ago and I saw a girl riding a giant unicycle <laughs> like down the street and How I was does like, that how do you class? Get, yeah. How do you get on that? I don't understand. I don't know. Cuz like I saw a guy I've never seen a tall unicycle. I saw a, t- a guy in Austin one time I was walking to the Alamo Draft House on Lamar that they tore down and rebuilt. Yeah. And some dude, a hipster, passes me on a bicycle, normal one. Then right behind him is a guy on like a 10-foot-tall bicycle. And I just thought, how do you get up on that? Like, do you put it on the side and just kick it up and hope you balance when you get to the top? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, it's one of those many marvels of life where you're like, I don't, I don't this get it. This hipster physics is really puzzling to me. Yeah, I, it's, I, I just don't get it. So Kiko, you can't grow a beard, mustache. I I can. I have too much. I guess Native American. Have you tried before? I mean, I've gone like a couple of months without shaving. <laughs> I mean, it's sparse, like <laughs> little you know hairs that like poke out. It's like the lawn in the summer when it when you don't water it. <laughs> Basically, I mean, I don't know what the hell's wrong with my. I face. still, I you know, you were saying about me looking young, even with the the beard. I got carded at a movie the other day. <laughs> so, I haven't gotten cool. carded at, at a movie? movie? Yeah. Wow, that's weird. I got carded for Nightcrawler. That's not even the law, by the way. That's just like a theater policy. Really? Yeah. Like, there's no there's no law about But, I mean, I guess you wouldn't be arrested if you went into a, a movie, <laughs> a rated R movie, but... I got carded buying a DVD once. That's uh, happened to me, yeah. Well, where did you go see the movie? Did you go see it at the art house? No. Oh, wow. No. Saw it in an embassy. Like, sir, your your mother's gonna have to buy your ticket for you <laughs> to Nightcrawler. I remember uh, we uh, we had to I had I had to do that a few times as a kid. Like when Jackass <laughs> the movie came out, we had one of our friends' moms buy us the tickets, and then we went in to to go see it. And she was she didn't have a problem with that. No. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I was you know. Well, I, I don't, what, what year did that come out in? Like 2001? 2002, I think. 2002. Okay, so I was like 12. Oh, shit. <laughs> God. Yeah. Or no, well, 13. I, I mean, that's what the that's who the movie was meant for. Yeah. Then why, did we, uh, then why I, did we enjoy it so much? Because <laughs> yeah, I've never stopped being 12. <laughs> anyway, enough about beards and mustaches. That's for a different podcast. Um, is there? Is it? <laughs> I'm sure there's one. There's got to be one. Yeah, Jared and I are starting it. It's called. Uh, uh, I, I don't get it's it. called. Uh, I must ask you a question. Yeah. Yeah. I fucked that up. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on to news. It's time for the real rundown. Recapping this week in movie news. First up, as is the case every week, there's new Marvel news. It's like they planned this. Yeah, I would say they planned it. <laughs> I get so excited when stuff like this happens, guys. I mean, I'm like, are we going to talk about Marvel today? Oh, you know what? You bitch and moan about it every please, single time. Let's yet, talk about Marvel. Yet it is the number one trend in the number one studio doing movies. You can't ignore it. If you have a movie podcast and you ignore the biggest thing happening in it, you're just being a dick. It'd be like ignoring Pixar in the mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, there's just this uninterrupted run of success. Like, I don't want to talk about Toy Story. Yeah, what's this bullshit about The Incredibles? <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, there was a movie actually coming out, though, that maybe. But we're talking about shit that's happening seven years from now. But they they're, they release, like, two films a year. Yeah. So 
So what's really what's coming out next week, next month, next year? Next year is <laughs> Avengers two and Ant Man. Yeah. Oh, Ant Man's that quick? I didn't realize that. And this year we had we had uh, uh, what do we have? Captain Guardians America. Of Ga- yeah, Captain America and Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So anyway, uh, they announced a whole bunch of stuff in an event uh, that was. Was it live streamed or was it just live tweeted? It was live blogged, yeah. Live blogged. But I mean it it almost broke Twitter. <laughs> the first step first uh announcement was uh the and I don't I don't understand this joke. Do you do you get it? This... Where it was it was announced the cuz we talked about last was it last week week before that uh Robert Downey Jr was going to be in Captain America 3. Right. And it was going to be the start of Civil War mm-hmm. storyline. But they the first movie they announced at this event is Captain America three, but they called it Captain America Serpent Society. Yeah, I think it was just everyone knew that it was Civil War and they and, or assumed it was Civil War and they were trying to just mess with. But them. that yeah, that was and that blew up around Twitter like, hey, Captain America three is called Serpent Society, which is, is like it's it's a weird, <laughs> it's a weird yeah. title. And then later on in the event they said, oh no, never mind, it's called Civil War. Right. But I don't get the joke. Is there a joke there? Well, Other than like, hey, fuck you, we can name our movies whatever we want. <laughs> I think that was a joke. But why would you do that? That's stupid. Just yeah. to show how much power you have. That's no. It's just a, it was they were messing with the people in the crowd. But if uh, see, the, but you have to know that it's going to go viral in five minutes. Yeah, see, jokes like that I don't get when you don't have any kind of like you fool everybody because everybody trusts you implicitly. Exactly. We we're just talking about stupid websites that lie on purpose, like the Onion. That's not the Onion. Yeah. Anyway, I, crap. I just thought it was a strange thing, but uh, they announced a whole bunch of shit. Yeah, straight in the face of the DC announcement that came last week. Do you have the list queued up, Cody? I do have the list. What is it? What is it? Okay, so basically here is the rundown of what Marvel announced. Um, this is going to be Phase Three, and, and it's uh, everyone thought that Ant Man was going to start Phase Three, but it's actually going to be Captain America Three: Civil War, which will come out in May of 2016. And then November of 2016 will be Doctor Strange, which is going to be written and directed by Scott Derrickson. We know that. Was um, it was it this week that the Benedict Cumberbatch rumor broke too? It was. Um, I just it was it hasn't been made official. I don't know if that's still going on, but um, yeah, it's, it wasn't confirmed. that yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch, much to the delight of everybody on the yeah. internet, would be playing Doctor Strange. Yeah, uh, May 2017, Guardians of the Galaxy two. That's got to have some like cheeky subtitle. I wonder why that that wasn't released. Not one. yet, at least they might not have it yet. It's it's still being written. Uh, July of 2017 <laughs> is Thor Ragnarok. That sounds like a badass like Norwegian death metal. What is yeah. the subtitle? Ragnarok. I mean, I think sounds it, like Fraggle Rock. I think almost. it means the end of everything or something like that. Something is that one word? Ragnarok. Yeah. Yeah. R A G N A R O K. Is that something in the Marvel universe? Yeah. Uh I think it's uh like a a Norwegian thing too. It's well it's also part I think it's part of the Civil War storyline in the comics. I don't know what it is is the bottom line. Mm. But I think it's a real word. You can look it up. Uh in November <laughs> of 2017 will be Black Panther, which will be uh they announced the lead actor in that, which will be Chadwick Boseman of uh uh, 42 and Get On Up fame. Get on up. Which he was really good in Get On Up. Yeah, he did, was. Actually. Didn't we talk about how it was his fate someday to be in something like this? I thought we did. We might have. He's a really good actor. It, it's a good, it's a really good get for Marvel. 
to getting an actor like that. But uh, he was the only uh, only actor in one of these new properties that was announced officially. Yeah. Anyway, going on. Yeah, so we have Black Panther that will come out, uh, like I said, in uh, November. They also released some like concept art for Black Panther. Yeah, it looks really cool, actually. It looks like Black Panther looks like in the comic books. Yeah. It looks kind of like Batman with no mouth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, true. It's just, yeah, no, it, it is you true. Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, May of 2018, we will have Avengers Infinity War Part 1. Oh, see, I hate that. I don't like this splitting into parts. Well, you know what? I actually think it's a good idea because at this point, we're talking about potentially bringing together the Avengers with the Guardians of the Galaxy, with all of these new characters they're introducing. And in order to have room to breathe, they're going to have to make it one long, sprawling thing. So I actually don't mind that. And you can't you know, release a four-hour movie. So I, w- I bet Marvel could. They probably could. They could probably get. You, away with Marvel it. could release a four-hour movie. Like, you know what? Fuck you, Avengers. Whatever Infinity Wars is four hours long. You guys, yeah, come see it, motherfuckers! <laughs> I dare you. And then, then at the end of the trailer, it's just two giant middle fingers on the screen, <laughs> and people would be out in a second. Uh, July of 2018 is where it gets pretty interesting, which is Captain Marvel will be on. Uh, will be on that mm-hmm. date. And it's going to be the uh, the Carol Danvers version, meaning that, that means female. That means a female-led superhero movie. Um, I don't think it'll beat Wonder Woman, um, but I knew, do know that Black Panther beats uh, Cyborg. Cyborg for the first African American-led. But yeah, this will this will be Captain Marvel, and apparently she's going to be the one that connects. The, the like space stuff mm-hmm. so like the one that connects guardians of the galaxy with the avengers so that'll be like a bridge to the it's always the woman that goes to pick up everyone <laughs> i don't know what that meant. okay know. that was are stupid they, sorry are there rumors for that role uh nothing substantial there's been people kind of uh you know tossing names out but uh, captain marvel that's the character mm-hmm. and she's female and not to be confused with uh she, the DC Comics character Captain Marvel, who's also known as Shazam, who's also getting his own movie. Yeah, but it was—I believe this version of Captain Marvel was Miss Marvel, and then oh, yeah, it was Ms. Ms. Marvel. Yeah, M S. M S. Yeah, Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel. I think that was my second grade teacher, Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel. Kiko, no. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was trying to role play there as your teacher. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's move on. <laughs> November of 2018 is Inhumans. I don't know anything about that. There's all this stuff that I've heard of. Like it's it's all like familiar name wise, but I don't know anything about Inhumans. Yeah, this could be a uh, you know they've been talking about this being a movie that opens up a whole another universe for them. Why not? Just yeah. why not? And then finally, uh, May of 2019, Avengers: Infinity War Part Dose. Wow, 2019, five years. That's the time that uh, – that's like when uh, Jay Leno was given five years left yeah. on The Tonight Show. But I mean it's – So much can change. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is – you know, the the first two Marvel phases had six movies. This one is going to have nine. And, uh, you know, they're going to be putting out – you know, in 2016, they're going to keep up the, the two movies a year. And then when we move on to uh, 2017 and 2018, there's going to be three per year. 
Um, you know, I was talking to some some people about uh, how other they feel like other characters are getting left behind. Like again, no Black Widow solo movie. Yeah, and then uh, no Hulk movie. Yeah, but uh, I just I, I don't know if either of you feel. I'm. I know Kiko, you don't give a shit. But <laughs> well, when it comes, I mean, I'd rather be talking about this when the movies actually come out. But you know, whatever. That's that's the game, man. We've been over this, right? We talk about it every week, right? Yeah. We have to like piss on every date on the calendar. I don't <laughs> five I, years in advance. I don't have a giant problem with it because I think that part of these movies is the anticipation that goes into them. I think that's a huge part of it. But what what were you saying? Oh, that uh, people are upset—not upset, upset—but lamenting the fact that that already established characters that people love, like. Mark Ruffalo's version of the Hulk yeah. and Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow aren't getting the solo movies that they think they deserve. Well, I know that Kevin Feige, and we have confirmed that I'm, you're right. That Feige. it is in fact Didn't Kevin you, Feige. I thought you said Feige. I, I was just messing around oh. when I said that. I've always thought it was Feige, but um, Kevin Feige said that revisionist, and that basically <laughs> uh, Black Widow is the linchpin to you know the the the, the Avengers movies. And that she's going to play a major part. I don't really know why they're not giving Mark Ruffalo a Hulk movie, but I think that he's going to be popping in and out of well, some of these other ones. This is my theory: is that Marvel's already done. There's already been two Hulk movies, yeah, and neither one of them, while they both made money, neither one of them left people extremely happy with the character. No, yeah, yeah. So moving forward, any kind of new Hulk movie would. A, be labeled as like, okay, we're trying it again. And B, if it wasn't a success, then it's harder to ignore. Well, because like yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, like the reason the reason it was self contained was if people fucking hated it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so if, if people hated it and it didn't make money or people thought it would sucked or was, was just disappointing, they could have just stranded it, sliced it off, pretended like it never happened. I sort of. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um and I sort of think that um that Ant-Man is going to be like the stepchild of this Marvel franchise because if you if you read back at the at this Marvel event, this huge Marvel Marvel event, they showed clips from Avengers uh 2 and then they it was all about Phase 3 and nothing was said about Ant-Man, which is stuck right in the middle of them and they didn't But didn't it just start shooting like a month ago? Yeah, but they didn't even talk about it. So maybe they figured it had enough press with the whole drama about Yeah. Uh, but I mean it's it's going to be really interesting and I think that um I think you do bring up a good point about the recency of 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 Hulk. At least we're not getting a Hawkeye movie like <laughs> oh. nobody nobody wants that. I don't even think Jeremy Renner would want that. <laughs> no, he'd want that. He'd get a payday. Hey, Hawkeye Hawkeye seems like something that should be a TV series. Like here's a guy that shoots arrows. Oh wait. Yeah, but we already have that. Yeah, green arrow. You know, I arrow, I I also think that this is such a I love this sort of power move from Marvel. Just in the, just like one week after DC just released everything, right? And that's that's the most interesting part that I think of the story is that he, they did it right after. It's like <laughs> well, you know measuring dicks type of thing. Well, and it has it had like if you if you looked at the internet stuff, it had like like a hundred times the excitement. Than the DC ones. How do you rate did. that? I have this really <laughs> intense equation that I use. No, but I mean, 
I think I think when 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 people saw uh, the DC announcement, they saw it as a sign of desperation. I think, and we talked yeah. about that a little bit. Yeah. When when this Marvel thing came out, people were like, "They're trying to crush DC." Like that was. What was going well, yeah, on. and plus everybody already loves it. They don't know what to expect from the DC stuff. Yeah, you know this. We've been living with this Iron Man started universe since two thousand eight. Yeah, and well, I, go ahead. No, it was just that's that's. I mean. You know, kids now that are just now getting into that movie were were born, you know, before the movie was released. You know, there's six year olds that that weren't around when Iron Man yeah. was around, so it's already been stuff that we that we yeah. love have loved for a while. So I, I do sort of like what Marvel is doing, though, in that they are <coughs> they're kind of staggering uh, established properties and then new properties, kind of like Pixar plans to do with the sequels and the originals. You know, you've got Captain America, Guardians, Thor, and then the Avengers movies being established stuff, and then you get to introduce Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, and Inhumans, plus Ant Man. So it's it's kind Don't of about Ant Man. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see that they're going the route of kind of they're, they're expanding their universe, and again, I still think at some point it's going to get too big, and they're going to have you know like I, I'm, there's there's no end game to this. I mean, the end game is when the money runs out. Yeah, well, I mean, and there's going to be a phase four already. That I mean, that's already known. So it's it, it's it's a pretty. I mean, because even you see it, it happened to Pixar and like an unprecedented run of success, and then they just creatively run out of gas. Yeah, with cars. Mm-hmm. Ironically, yeah. they ran out of gas with cars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pun intended. Um, you know, and then they. I don't think has. Ha, I don't think Pixar has been the same since Cars. I mean, Toy Story three I loved, but I think everything since then is, has felt a little uh, less special. No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with that. I think I, again, and we've talked about it very early on that uh, Pixar is is in sort of a creative rut. I think, and uh, I think that Inside Out will bring it back. But um, but yeah, and I. I just like the idea of, you know, we talked about uh, Fat Iron Man last week. <laughs> I love the idea of, like, eventually getting there and some people being like, you know, you know, I really liked Avengers 13, but Fat Iron Man just lost me. <laughs> <laughs> I, or uh, just, like, looking, like, because you can just look through a comic book, you know, uh, or, like, some trading cards of comic books and see, like, oh, wait, they haven't used this guy yet. Yeah. There's, like, the... One of my favorites, like just to look at visually, when I was a kid, was it was cloak and dagger. Yeah, I don't even remember what their powers are, but it's like a dude in a black cape and then a girl in like a white jumpsuit that shows off her boobs. <laughs> like someday, like there's some Marvel exec looking like, mm, how can we fit cloak and dagger into this universe? It will be really interesting to see if Marvel can resist the urge to reboot things when they start losing actors. Like, um, but Iron Man's, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is not going to do this for the rest of his life. Well, Chris, I'm, I mean, Chris Evans isn't. He's they're, gonna be, they're not going to reboot no, I'm something just saying, while, like, stuff, I, while the whole true. thing's still going on. Well, nobody's going to want to watch an 80 year old Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Uh, oh, my God. We're going to be like in our. Well, 60s I, assume when gonna, I assume they'll pass that. I mean, off. Th- this whole cinematic universe has to end. At some point, well, I mean, yeah, not anytime soon. I mean, what, what are we talking about here? I mean, it's five years. But are we? Are, do you really? Yeah, see? Do, you, do you have five years planned down the road at all in your life? No, but you know, <laughs> I mean, do, you know, do you, 
do either of you have a five year plan? Like where <laughs> I want to be in five years? Uh, in the movie theater watching um, Guardians of the Galaxy four. I, uh, every time I hear five year plan, I always think of that line in Big Daddy. Uh, where do you do you guys know what I'm talking I've about? I've seen Big Daddy, but I don't know what you're talking about. It's when it's when uh, it's when Adam Sandler's girlfriend breaks up with him for the old guy, and and she says he has a high a five year oh, yeah, plan. Don't die. don't die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that movie. Why? I saw Billy Madison it's, it's yesterday. Great. Really? That one doesn't hold up as well for me, except for yeah, the the uh, the the thing at the end, the speech at the end. Uh, oh, the little I, puppy who lost his way speech. No, the the one about um, <laughs> when he when he answers the question. I don't remember. Yeah, he's he he puts a. Uh, oh, you're talking about his. I'm talking about the return. Yeah, I'm talking about what the. Oh, the, yeah, right, right. I award you no points, <laughs> and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> I haven't seen Billy Madison in a while. I don't remember what you're talking about. Oh, my favorite is when he's playing with the shampoo and conditioner bottles. <laughs> shampoo is better. <laughs> before it washes and cleans the hair. Before we were all sick of Adam Sandler. Oh, poor Adam Sandler. What I would, still, I still prefer Happy Gilmore. Personally, I, I do too. I do too. I like Wedding Singer. Oh, Wedding well, Singer, yeah. Wedding Singers. Wedding Singers probably. Would you say Wedding Singer is Adam Sandler's best movie? Like, uh, I mean, of, of the Adam's quote Adam Sandler movies. I think that's probably fair to say. What do you think? I mean, uh, I know, well, that kind of like Punch Drunk Love is mine, but um, I know you want to go with Punch Drunk Love. That's why I was saying Adam Sandler movies. Um, I guess, yeah. What would be What would be next? Would it be Happy Gilmore? I would I think so. I think I think Wedding Singer is just a better movie than Happy Gilmore. I don't know if it's funnier. I think it's a more complete like yeah. it's probably the only one that's an actual movie. <laughs> you know what? I actually think that that 50 First Dates is underrated. I in like his 50 catalog. First Dates. I like 50. But that that's where it starts to get into where like well, why is this in Hawaii? Yeah. Sort of <laughs> where he started to just take vacations. But I but I do think Happy Gilmore is his funniest movie. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. This has been uh, the Marvel talk, with yeah. ending with happy with uh, Adam Sandler. Anyway, five years down the road, Marvel's already got stuff planned, uh, and, and you the, will all be there. Not to mention uh, the two, at least uh, one new TV series I'm looking forward to: the Daredevil, yeah, uh, Netflix series. I don't give a shit about Agents of Shield. I think it sucks. Uh, and then there's uh, Agent Carter. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about is that, that. Is that still like 40s set? Do you know? I think so. It has to be, right? Gonna, I wonder how they're going to pull that off on a network TV budget. All right, let's move on to our next topic. <laughs> uh, G- Google Glass. Have either of you used Google Glass or seen it in action? I, I I haven't used it, but I've seen people wear it. I want to try it. It looks, it looks it, stupid. It looks stupid, yeah. It looks <laughs> like, you know, we talked about this last week, but it's like 10 times worse than people that wear blue, blue teeth. Bluetooth. Blue teeth. <laughs> I love that. A blue. Te- I, where's my blue teeth? <laughs> uh, it has been officially banned by the MPAA. Do they have that power uh, from movie theaters? I I guess so. Oh, I mean, it came from them, really? Yeah, it came from the MPAA and NATO, and not the NATO you're thinking of, the National Association <laughs> of Theater. Owners. Why do they keep using that acronym? I I don't know. <laughs> like I see that, I'm like, what the fuck do they have to do with it? I know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, they they put together a joint policy for a zero tolerance policy, um, uh, including uh, of of any sort of recording devices, and that includes Google Glass. And of course, um, 
there was actually a, a did you guys do you guys remember this incident with uh jack ryan uh shadow recruit with the google glass no okay so um what happened was earlier this year someone had uh prescription lenses in his google glass and uh he was pulled out of a screening of jack ryan in ohio and uh the department of homeland security detained him for hours before they determined he wasn't recording the movie that sounds like the perfect thing to happen to someone who's a fan of tom clancy novels. <laughs> yeah. like first of all he's got prescription google glass google glass and i can't say that's hard to say google google glass is it hard for anybody else to say, or am I just stupid? Google Glass. Google Glass. Google Glass. He has prescription Google Glass. He's seeing some shitty Jack Ryan movie they dumped in January, and then he gets detained by Homeland Security. Why would I? Don't, I don't get why Homeland Security yeah, got involved. I don't understand that story. I'll read. I'll read the story, but um... but uh, I, I've never experienced it. I've seen it was, of course, at South by Southwest. Shitloads of people wearing them there. <laughs> I I can't I can't lie that I'd like to try it out. Oh yeah, me too. But just to say that I did, just uh, as a something to wear all the time and to to have access to. I don't know that it's something I never I never want to do because I mean they look like you you don't because you know you look cutting edge like you know remember when iPhones came out and everybody was like oh fuck I got to get a smartphone now with a screen right. screen. But this is not like a cool tech thing to me. It's just sort of a big giant nerd thing. Because I saw a guy interviewing Mark Cuban, owner of the Dallas Mavericks, with Google Glass. Like he's just looking at him. But nobody's nobody's recording movies with Google Glass. Like it's just not. That's yeah. That's a good point. It's is just it, not something that people do. And I mean, even phones. Like because yeah. we get we get told, you know, we go to these screenings, and either we're not allowed to bring phones in, or they have to be turned off. Which I get like as a courtesy thing, but the vast majority of the concern is people recording the movie with their phone. Right. Which I don't know. If well, I mean, yeah, back you know, 15, 20 years ago, then I understand if that technology was available. But if you do your research, that's not how movies are getting pirated. Well, you look right. at the you look at pirates. You know, I I'll admit that I've seen some some bad. You know, pirating jobs. You know, just you see clips online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's usually like, uh, you like know, after credits stuff, right? They record the stingers, and I mean, it doesn't look good. No, it looks terrible. <laughs> it's like a guy in the front row leaning up to record the Howard the Duck scene from from Guardians <laughs> yeah. of the Galaxy <laughs> on his and, Google Glass. Uh, yeah, or whatever f- smartphone he had, and it it just looks like shit. Like I guess if you if you didn't care how you saw the movie and you were able to sit there for an hour and a half plus. And you had that much storage space on your phone, you could record a movie and it would look, I guess, okay enough to watch if you're bored, but it doesn't, it's not, you know, there's, you're going to hear people laughing, talking, coughing, getting up to take a shit. Yeah. It's just not, it's just not a, uh, I mean, the, the, the biggest piracy stuff has been, uh, people leaking prints early like the you remember the expendables three oh, this yeah. summer yeah, like yeah. somebody leaked a perfect dvd copy to the web and uh even that's that's just so much easier nowadays even uh, as far back as uh, star wars episode three do you remember that mm-hmm. uh, a work print got leaked that had like time code and everything on the top 
Yeah. So I mean, it's that's where the real piracy problem yeah, is. Yeah, they, need to, they my... need to they need to worry about this within and not yeah. with an audience. I mean, I you know, mostly using your phone in a movie just makes you an asshole. Yeah. Because you know, it's a big bam bright bright screen light, you know, shining when you're trying to concentrate on something else. But I don't I don't get it. I think just everybody's behind the t- they they hear a recording device and they flip the fuck out. You know. Right. I, I yeah I to to me this is sort of a non-story just because I how many people actually have Google Glass I don't know I'd like to know the the numbers on that I mean like again like I, I think we talked about when I was at South by Southwest I saw it everywhere yeah but you also have to remember you live in a bubble when you're in South by Southwest so yeah. it's sort of like you know I I wouldn't be surprised if everyone who ever owned Google Glass was in Austin <laughs> yeah. well yeah it's like and I talked about it. I, I, I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast or a few or off the air. Everybody has a Mac. Like, yeah, you can't use a, if you went up there with like an HP laptop, you'd, you'd be an outcast. You know, there's just C after C of C of C's of, uh, the silver. Yeah. I don't know. I just touched your computer. I'm that's, sorry. That's fine. <laughs> Look at you with your Dell. <laughs> yeah. You fucking loser. Uh, you don't have a $1,200 MacBook pro. Yeah, I do, but so do I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh I just can't I can't look like an outsider up there, Cody. Come on. Yeah. Seriously. It's the status thing. I'm already from San Antonio. <laughs> yeah. What more do I need to look like a loser? Uh do you remember when uh you used to not be able to bring a recording device to concerts? Yeah. And now literally everybody has a recording device on them at all times. Yeah. And I don't think uh, I, when was the last time we, I I don't think last time I went to a concert they cared anymore. It, it usually depends on the venue. Uh, I remember one time I had a digital camera at a concert and they made me turn it off. But that was before the phone cameras got really good. But there's no way. There's no way now. No way in hell that they're going to tell you not to bring your phone into a, oh, a no, concert. Oh, no. No way. No way. Yeah. They And they can't prevent it anymore. But again, uh, I, I think that's, again, different than a movie. I just – I hate going to the – when we go to the, these screenings, you know, the press screenings, press and I guess public screenings that they, that they treat phones like it's like, it's a, uh, you know, like we're going to steal the movie. Well, and it's just like, they have the night vision and just like, come on guys. That, you know, I got to imagine like outside of the military, the only other reason people use night vision is to walk around fucking movie theaters and make sure people aren't videotaping the movie. It's ridiculous. It's just, I'm, I don't know. I don't get it. And it's not like it's you can like surreptitiously do a lot of these things. You look pretty obvious when you're like holding up a camera or holding up a phone. Like it's. <laughs> do you remember that Seinfeld episode? I know you didn't watch Seinfeld, but did you ever remember that where Jerry? Yeah. And it's it, but I mean that was back in what ninety two. And he, he had, had the, but he had a giant. He had a big, I, I think I may have told this story before, but there's a, a local CD chain here, CD Exchange. Uh, mm-hmm. They used to sell. Oh, the pirated ones, right? Well, not pirated, but um. I don't, I don't know what you would call it. It was it was a, a freer time for the company. They were, they did a little more kind of like indie record store style stuff where they'd sell quote unquote imports. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a friend of mine bought a Pantera, you know the band Pantera, mm-hmm. um, like concert VHS, and it was clearly pirated. Like clearly, a guy <laughs> brought a camera to the show. And just recorded it, and like time after time, he'd like 
stick it into it. Like, I guess he'd see security and like shove it into his coat. But it's, it, you know what? It's weird about that mm-hmm. is that I think that nowadays bands are more open to that and they encourage trading their shows and people coming really? and recording and, and, uh, and like the tape trading. And I mean, like I, I, I know one person I saw live on his, on, on his website. It's like, Hey, feel free to record whatever you want. Just send a copy to us so we can have a record and you can trade it with other people. And that was a big deal with, uh, with both the band fish yeah, and uh, even Dave Matthews band mm-hmm. was, they would allow people with professional recording equipment to come to the shows because mm-hmm. they didn't give a shit. You know, it's yeah. just live jam noodling like yeah. for, for an hour. Uh, and I don't know that they had that policy where you're like, Hey, just send us a copy, but they didn't care, you know, and they'd, uh, I went to a Dave Matthews band concert a couple times and there's like the old bald dude with a, like a dat recorder and a, <laughs> and a shotgun mic. And I, it's, it's a cool idea, I guess if you're like, Hey, I went to this show, you know, yeah. I recorded it. The band doesn't care. I know comedians get up in arms about it. Yeah. Uh, Especially when they're working on new material. Yeah. Right? Cause people are recorded and posted to YouTube. Yeah. Oh man. When I went to George Lopez last week, they they had like the national guard there. Really? Ready to pounce on somebody who pulled a phone out. Yeah. Hmm. And it wasn't just, um, the theaters people, it was his people. It's, it's weird. I mean, it's, I, I understand it, but we've gotten to a, a point in this culture now where you record everything. I mean, yeah, you go to any kind of concert. I mean, <clears throat> we went to shows at South by Southwest and recorded, you know, just certain songs. And I don't, I, I mean, I don't, I don't see that to personally as a substitute for buying it, but I guess somebody might somewhere. Cause I mean, am I as good as the quality is on my phone? With you know recording video and audio, it doesn't replace the movie theater experience or a concert experience. No, it's just a record of what I saw. You know, hey, this was funny or this was great. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think uh, the MPAA has already been proven to be kind of sticks in the mud, anyway. Yeah, I, um, this is just such a weird thing to put a foot down on. Like it's like, hey, we're banning Google Glass, so try to get it in. It's like, okay. <laughs> This affects like one in every like 10,000 people, 100,000 people. I wonder uh, if anybody's listening that has Google Glass, let us know. Yeah, please. Email us, podcast.sinistop.net. We want to know that you exist. And that you're not just wearing them when you walk around at South by Southwest Interactive. (laughs) Yeah. And then maybe you can let us borrow it for like a podcast so we can try it out. I do have... uh, How much does it cost? Are they expensive? Yeah. They used to be really expensive. Yeah. I don't know if they've come down at all. Weren't they like a grand? I would like to see the sales figures on them. I can't imagine that they're selling well. It's just buzz, I guess, that that, that does this stuff. You, you know, I love Google. I love Gmail. I don't love what they've done otherwise. Like their failed products that they keep trying to – like Google Plus that they try to – they they keep alive only by integrating it with everything else. Like – Hey, you have a YouTube page. Now you have a Google Plus page. Like, fuck, I don't care. I don't need another <laughs> social network. You're looking up the price. Uh, I'm looking up to see if there's any actual figures on how many people actually own Google Glass. Oh. Statistics. Yeah. Let's just wait while Cody looks for this. Are you searching it on Google? Are you? <laughs> Google says 7 million. <laughs> no, uh, uh, I guess this website here says... Uh, that, uh, um, assuming that each friend, 
They, <laughs> about 40,000 official users by the end of 2013. Wow. That's not very many. No. And then they said that... Uh, I don't know. This is just weird. Never mind. <laughs> this was a detour that went nowhere. <laughs> just a dead end. That's an onion they're story. Talking, they're talking about speculative numbers, and I'm just like... Anyway, I don't to. think it's a problem. It, I guess it'd be like, please don't wear a GoPro on your hat. That's <laughs> yeah. banned. Yeah, don't wear a helmet cam <laughs> when you go into these movies. Uh, yeah, I, I don't get it. Did you guys see SNL last night by any chance? No. They had a they had a thing about forty year olds or forty plus year olds and and GoPro, and then they were talking about getting colonoscopy, so they had a GoPro. It was a GoPro camera that they use for colonoscopies, and then they. They they cut to um, they said they said you don't have to want to do it like they used to do it, and they have this old timey footage, and they have this giant camera that they're about to shove up someone. It's really funny, actually. Hmm. Who was uh, the host? It was, it was Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Right? Yeah. Oh, I meant to watch it, but I forgot. Yeah, I think Chris Rock and Prince, right? Mm-hmm. I heard Prince did like an eight minute set. Yeah, it was like eight or nine minutes long. Good lord! Rather I, than doing two songs, he did one. Nine minute jam sesh. It reminds me of when, like, you listen, you hear Doves Cry come on the radio. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, the end of this song takes forever. <laughs> I like Prince. All right, that's going to do it for news. Let's move into reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have Birdman. Or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. This is my chance to finally do some work that actually means something. It means something to who? You had a career, Dad, before the third comic book movie. Before people started to forget who was inside that bird costume. You were doing a play based on a book that was written 60 years ago for a thousand rich old white people whose only real concern is going to be where they go to have their cake and coffee when it's over. Nobody gives a shit but you. And let's face it, Dad, you are not doing this for the sake of art. You are doing this because you want to feel relevant again. Well, guess what? There is an entire world out there where people fight to be relevant every single day. And you act like it doesn't exist. Things are happening in a place that you ignore. A place that, by the way, has already forgotten about you. I mean, who the fuck are you? You hate bloggers. You mock Twitter. You don't even have a Facebook page. You're the one who doesn't exist. You're doing this because you're scared to death, like the rest of us, that you don't matter. And you know what? You're right. You don't. It's not important, okay? You're not important. Get used to it. Hold on. Let me get the summary. (laughs) I forgot I was going to do this. Damn it. Sorry. God damn it. All right. Three, two, one. A washed up actor. Three, two, one. A washed up actor who once played an iconic superhero must overcome his ego and family trouble as he mounts a Broadway play in a bid to reclaim his past glory. So we all saw Birdman. Yes. Um, You saw it way before we did, Cody, at a screening that got a little it was time a, crunched. It was a bit of a debacle. It's one of those things where they couldn't get the digital key to open the movie. Yeah. So you saw it for like a week and lorded it over us. Yes. For You saw it like a week early while Kiko and I went to Luby's. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, why don't you start, Cody? Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, many people are speaking about this movie as this huge comeback for Michael Keaton. And I think that whatever is being said about Michael Keaton for this movie is absolutely 100% accurate. Because he is really, really great in this movie. Um, He gets to play this sort of guy who is about to go off the rails. And uh, and he does so perfectly. I mean, it's 
he he there's a there's a whole range of emotions here and i think keaton nails all of it um i think that you know he'll be right in the mix for the oscar for this um it'll probably be between him benedict cumberbatch and steve carell maybe eddie redmayne but um but yeah i i love this movie um i think that one of its best qualities is that it's really funny and i think that uh i think that maybe people might not get the sense that it is a, a dark comedy you know sort of at its core um uh you know so you know the most of the movie uh takes place backstage behind this play that 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 uh that his character is constructing and he wrote and directed uh this adaptation and so it's it's uh it's the you know the cinematographer Emmanuel Lubezki who just won the Oscar for Gravity but he's sort of known for these long tracking shots these long yeah. takes you know he he shot Children of Men mm-hmm. and um and he's shot a bunch of other stuff like that and um and so the the way this movie is constructed is sort of like it's one interrupted take but it actually happens over the span of a couple days and and you know the uh the the cinematic qualities of this the technical aspects are just flawless in this movie um you know you you follow one character for a while and another character comes into frame and then you'll follow them for a while but um i think uh you know along with the uh, the comedic aspects uh the cast is great I mean, we just heard Emma Stone in that clip, which is one of the best scenes in the movie. Um, and Edward Norton is is great, also in this movie. He's yeah, extremely funny, and he plays this you know really serious uh, method actor essentially. And uh, well, I mean, it's it's a caricature. It's a, it's a, a meta commentary on himself. Yeah, I think in Keaton's is the same way. Yeah, and I think this whole movie is sort of a meta commentary on not only you know, superhero movie culture, but also this obsession with social media, this obsession with instant fame. Um, and just the idea, I, I love the idea of sort of, uh, an older actor worrying about becoming irrelevant, um, which is sort of the running theme throughout the movie. Um, and I'm sure I'll have more to say as, as everyone else talks about it, but yeah, I, I, I really, really like, I, I love this movie. Yeah. Yeah, speaking about what we were just talking about, I mean, I get tired of hearing Marvel news every week, and I know we're immersed into it and things like that, but I really feel like this was uh, kind of bringing it back home and, you know, telling people how crazy, you know, the industry is when it comes to superhero stuff and uh, tentpole projects like that, because, um, I mean, it's just everywhere and it's hard to get away from, and it's, it's a great way to you know, bring it to a different, uh, take it from a different angle by capturing uh, or by casting somebody like Keaton. It is meta. And this is a type of meta that I don't mind at all because, you know, it's not trying to be too smart about it. They just, you know, it took 1989, Michael Keaton, you know, the whole idea of him and what he did with the Batman franchise when it first started and, and, uh, sort of turn it on its head and kind of, you know, kind of you talk about how maybe Keaton's own, career has not really gone as great as people might have thought when he first started i've never really gotten that sense personally what that his career hasn't gone the way that he would have liked yeah i just don't know if it it, because i mean he had quite a bit of quite a few roles before batman oh yeah i mean yeah but but back in the 80s but he did go from like movie star to just actor 
Right. You know? Like I think it, I think it's he saw a pretty major decline in fame, so to speak. Right. Right. Yeah, I just see that as a different sort of time, though. You know, like if that happened today, you'd be washed up. Well, I I guess, but I mean, you didn't see people. I mean, like people like Tom Cruise or something, for example, could start off being a movie star and continue being a movie star for twenty. But I mean, plus would years. you would you say would you say the same thing about Tom Hanks right now? Because Tom Hanks is not near anywhere the fame he was. In the oh, th- mid nineties, I think he, I think he, he's still got a lot of fame. I think Captain Phillips was huge for him. But, I, yeah, it's a, it's a fine line. I mean, it just depends. I think every case is different. But also, Michael, Tom Hanks is just too huge to. But Michael Keaton was also not getting the roles that Tom Hanks gets. Well, true. I mean, they're they're not comparable as as I think as actors, at least in that period of time. Yeah. But I mean, uh, you know, you have Tom Cruise in in. One of the biggest movies of the 90s is Forrest Gump. I mean, just a cultural touchstone for everything. And he hasn't been in anything close to that since since then. You know what I mean? Fame-wise. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, I get, I get that's something you can um, bring up or to discuss when it comes to this because it does talk about fame and, you know, where people stand in the industry and things like that. But um, like Cody said, technically, this movie is just amazing. I feel bad for... Um, um, the editor who <laughs> yeah. he, every, this movie is going to get nominated for every single Oscar except editing. Cause there's like what four cuts basically. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure there's, there's a lot more. Sure well, yeah, but I mean, you know what I mean? It's not something, you know, I mean, Edi- it's, editing. it's a seamless type of film where you can't really tell where the cuts are. That's basically the reason. I mean, I guess if I mean, you're that, looking, that's a sign of good editing. If, yeah. if, you know, if you don't want to see where the cuts are, I think that yeah. editing is a weird award anyway. Yeah. yeah I don't know. It's going to be tough because, he wants to. He wants to show. He wants it to seem like it is one long cut, and it it, it does look like that. I mean, you can tell because we are. We can tell where they are because we've watched so many movies where you know they show like there's a scene where they show the building during nighttime, and then it. Well, I mean that's an obvious one, but usually it's like whenever they whenever you lose sight of an actor, and you only see like the the set. That's probably an right, actor. right, true, true. So I mean, I, I guess I don't know. Or there's a lot of you know walking into dark. Yeah, and then every time they exactly. walk into dark, there's that's a cut, right? Yeah. Right. And, but um, I mean, people have done this before where they do long cuts. I mean, P.T. Anderson did this a lot in Boogie Nights and and uh, Magnolia. Um, the difference with this though is there's there's really long scenes too. Yeah. So I mean, we get um some of the this great dialogue that's going on for like five seven minutes, and then anywhere in that time frame somebody could mess up and they'd have to start over again which is great because what i like too about this movie that there are some they, yeah they do mess up a few there, times. there are they do yeah. mess up and there's there are a couple of mistakes and they just keep going yeah. um it's very I, it's very theater like in that aspect yeah, yeah. right right and i i really i, I really enjoyed that i mean it, it feels a little bit more it feels more genuine i mean you can tell that that's the reason that they're you know i don't know how many takes they had to go through um and i i read that there was like a they kept an ongoing count of how many who, who messed up the most um oh really yeah emma stone messed up the most and uh, zach galifianakis messed up the least really uh-huh that is really surprising to me so um it's interesting just to watch the way that it kind of unfolds as a story uh because you are fo- what's one camera following up they, they need to give a freaking something to the cameraman that was following the whole time because there's some spins on this where, you know, there's some major footwork. I'd like to see a camera on that cameraman moving around because uh, he did some good stuff. 
uh, there, following these characters. There's a lot of digital trickery in it too. Yeah, there, yeah, there is. I mean, I, I, obviously, when they're looking in mirrors and the camera's well, and, right behind. And them. I did love that shot that you were talking about, where they they have the building a day, it cuts to night, and then it comes down and it goes through a few things, right? And, and it comes back into Keaton's dressing room, right? That's an awesome shot. Yeah, yeah. It's really good stuff. But yeah, Keaton is just fantastic, man. I mean, <clears throat> I I mean, it's his best role of his career. I've seen a lot of Keaton movies, even before Batman. I mean. Um, <laughs> I grew up watching Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom, yeah. I love uh, even I, the Dream Team, yeah, I, uh, um, stuff like that. What's um, the one where uh, where they're making cars? What is oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm blanking, blanking right now. The yeah. squeeze. I used to watch the squeeze. Do uh-huh. you remember the squeeze and the squeeze? <laughs> the squeeze uh, poster is the one where he's getting squeezed by the uh, by the t- uh, twin towers. Oh, and of- even the. Um, Johnny Dangerously, the kind of weird gangster spoof. Right, right. So I mean, again, he's he he was a oh, but then Beetlejuice, of course. Um, yeah, yeah, he was big back in the eighties. I mean, people like Keaton. I I think even though they when they he was um, cast as Batman, everybody was like, "What the fuck?" And something I wrote about in my review too is I love that it takes place in the actual cinema, like the the movie universe that we live in. So, right. So you can have references to like Jeremy Renner. You know what I? You know what I? Yeah, that was funny. But you know what I didn't like is the 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 like entertainment news commentary that was, uh, you know, I guess acting as the Greek chorus on that part was. Uh, yeah. That they talked about how Iron, uh, how Robert Downey Jr. moved transition from the yeah. Iron Man series to the Avengers series. Yeah, I'm like wait a minute, that's the same fucking thing. Yeah, no, well, I know, I, I I understand that, but little details like that bug me. Yeah, but I I, I love the idea of just like I like and, and even Zach Galifianakis's line towards the end of the movie about getting Meg Ryan's guy to do his new nose. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, that I'm gonna chime in here because I didn't I didn't love the movie like I wanted to. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it was. I love Keaton in it. You like you like them. I mean, you'd recommend the movie though. Oh, I would, but uh, it just didn't wash over me like I like I was expecting it to, and like I wanted it to. It doesn't. It feels a little to me, kind of hard to crack by the third act. Like I still didn't quite figure out what we were supposed to be, what was supposed to be happening. I guess. Um, and then we talked. We all talked about this last night. The ending. Yeah. I thought it had a great ending, but then it kept going. Yeah, without yeah. spoiling anything, I, I that's something that I do agree with you on. I think that the, there was an ending that I that would have been perfect, but then uh, Alejandro Gonzalez Inarritu, who's the director of this, uh, decided to go for another eight or ten minutes and kind of and I, and I think killed it. You know what? I think that ending, the ending, is what kind of throws it for me altogether because that's when it gets into the real like. Uh, um, that's when it kind I, of hammers home the satire of the theater world because there's there's a lot of uh, satirical elements in this going on. You know, there's a theater critic who is just like just this bitch caricature, of, right? You of, know what? Yeah, I didn't like the theater critic and, portion. And, and I mean, there's a there's a a scene between her and, and Keaton where Keaton is great. Yeah, I think, and that that's actually what I was going to say is that. You may not like the theater character, but it may have been Keaton's best piece of acting in the movie. Yeah, uh, and I mean, but her motivation and her like existence of her character is just purely one-sided caricature. In yeah, my opinion. I'm not sure if that. I mean, she didn't seem real to me. Yeah, she seemed just like a cut out of what people think a Broadway uh, or, and, and critic I mean, would be. And critics in general, 
Yeah, and I mean it's it's a, maybe it's because we crit, were crit, critics as well. That I mean, I didn't get offended or anything. I, right. I thought it was over the top, but I don't really. I, I'd rather her have been a real critic, and I mean, because there's basically, I mean, this isn't really spoiling anything, but she, well, maybe not, but it just it was over overdone. I think because I don't think a critic would really act like that. Well, you you get okay. The whole kind of sense of the 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 of Keaton's presence in this theater world is that he's. Like you heard in the clip, he's trying to stay relevant. Right. He doesn't belong in this world. He was a movie star, and now he wants he, to prove he's more right. And yeah. and I guess shorthand for actors to prove that you're more than just a, a, a uh, you know just a famous person is to try to to do you know theater acting, mm-hmm. to do stage, to to write, direct, act. And the you know her monologue mentions that that uh, he's not a star. Not her monologue, but the, the he's scene. He's not an actor. He's, he's a, a famous person. He's a yeah. celebrity. Yeah. 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 Um, which there's stuff like that that I think like her whole thing was, was a little too on the nose. And maybe some of the Edward Norton stuff was a little too like, hey, guys, you know how Edward Norton's a big fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I thought some of the stuff uh, – I loved Edward Norton in it too. And I thought some of the stuff that he had like about him telling the truth everywhere – or telling the truth only on stage, but lying about everything else right. in his life was was pretty great. Um, I just didn't. It just felt a little too too hard to crack for me. I think in, as a whole, I'd yeah. still recommend it, but it just I wanted to love it and I didn't. I, I think something that Kiko and I were talking about was how sharp the screenplay is. It's really well written. Yeah, and I didn't find actually that's a good point because I didn't find it as funny as you did. Um, it's really good, but I think that. It's it's funny, but I think that it's more smart than funny um, because the writing is just I think fantastic. It's, I think it's really funny. I didn't think it was. I, I agree with you. I think it's really well written. Yeah. I don't think it. I I laughed. Yeah, I, I laughed. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I didn't. I it's there's this really smart um, back and forth between characters and really smart dialogue and I I do love when it turns like because because it's as as excuse me at a certain point it turns and Keaton kind of. Uh, I guess we can call it uh, goes over the edge a little bit mm-hmm. at one point, and it's the scene where, and it's again, I think my favorite written scene of the movie when it's it's the night before it's the night before the it's the night of the last preview before the the actual first premiere, right? And Emma Stone's in his dressing room and asking him if he's ready, mm-hmm. and he gives that speech about um, it ends with the tiny little hammer joke. Oh right, right. Oh yeah. I love that entire scene, and I think that's the moment where I almost put that clip. Pick that clip. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. I, th- that's the moment where uh, where I think that the movie takes a little bit of a turn, and Keaton kind of uh, kind he, of submits to his inner Birdman. Who, of course, you know, I don't think we've mentioned it, but there's some uh, Keaton, narration. Oh, Keaton's a little bit crazy, and he has this hallucin auditory hallucination of hearing the voice of Birdman. The character sort of, that he used to play, yeah, sort of taunt him about, yeah. you know, he should go back to being a movie star. He should try to recapture that glory he had. It was, as a movie it was star. actually a good idea that Birdman, Phoenix Rising, Phoenix right, Rising, yeah. or something. I thought yeah. like, that's a great idea for mm-hmm. a superhero movie. Uh, there's a there's a little bit of like the magical realism that takes place. Uh, <clears throat> well, you know what? And that is the thing about the ending of the movie that bothered me. Really? Because the magical realism part. You 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 know there are scenes in the movie where you see the actual explanation of the magical realism, mm-hmm. and in the end, throws yeah, it out. exactly, exactly. It's it takes, like takes it away. Yeah, um, where where you got? I mean, by taking it away, I mean you actually see what's actually 
going on in most of these things. But and I, in this I mean, one you don't. I, like I said, the ending, I, I think that's what throws me the most. I think that throws the whole thing out of whack for me because I didn't understand it. Like yeah. what was – well, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. But there, there's stuff in that – in the whole ending that I'm like, What's, what does that mean? Um, to me, it's <laughs> it was such a I, – I, I, I didn't let it ruin the past two hours. I Well, I wasn't – I'm not going to say that, that that I loved it until I saw the ending, but yeah. the ending didn't didn't coalesce everything that I wanted it to anyway. Because I was I was I was totally on board going in, and then as I watched it, I was like, eh, I I'm waiting for it to to grab hold of me, and it just didn't. Um, even though I love Keaton, I mean, I, I've loved Michael Keaton for a long time, and I love I love that his face is just all wrinkles. You notice that like, he still <laughs> looks the same. But it's just like his whole – I noticed that even in RoboCop uh, earlier this year. Like his whole face is just wrinkly, but he still looks the same. Like and it's still the same guy. You know, it's not yeah. like he's – you know, not like when you look at like, you know, William Shatner now or something. or somebody who was a movie star yeah. then and, you know, just a big puffy fat guy now. He, <laughs> he looks the same. He looks great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one other thing. Uh, the score to this movie is fantastic. I wasn't a fan. I loved it. Just the kind of jazz, the jazz drumming. Yeah, jazz drumming. Mm-hmm. I love how because I think it plays into kind of, uh, you know, the idea that my what's going on in Michael Keaton's head is completely erratic and and uh, and I think that it it really matches up with that really well of his character design. I was a big fan of it. And if you go to cinesnob.net, you can read my interview with uh, Antonio Sanchez, who is a jazz drummer from Mexico and. He was handpicked by the director to do this. Oh, so he's not the actual guy in the no. in the film? Nope. No, no. Oh, the the black guy that was on the street? Yeah. No, that's not him. Mm. No. Yeah. But it's inter- I mean, it's a it's a really ambitious thing I, to do in terms of uh, score. I don't think I've ever heard a percussion. I mean, there are, there are some um uh, instrumental parts, but um I would say 90% of the score is percussion. Yeah, I I mean at least. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I just like I said, I just didn't. There's there's elements of the movie that I loved, and just other stuff just didn't fall into place for me all the way. But I'd still recommend it. Yeah. I know I know the two of you recommend it. So. Oh yeah, I think this is the best or the second best movie I've seen all year. I think it's either one or number two. Yeah, I'd agree. I'm. I mean, we still have a long yeah year to so go. Far. But but yeah, this is probably will end up in my top ten somewhere. Yeah, um, me too. Hopefully, I mean, unless we see, I mean, you know what? I, I kind of don't want it to because that means we're going to see ten amazing movies uh, before December. But um, Alejandro Gonzalez Inaritu is a, a really great director. Um, so I really hope that you know whatever he comes out with next is going to top this. But maybe he could do an actual Birdman movie. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That kind of be cool. Yeah. I, I like that. I, I when going in, I thought there was going to be more Birdman. I didn't because we see we see a yeah. lot of um, uh, you know, production uh photos and things like that with him, the actual Birdman following Keaton around. Um, I like that was a nice touch when that started happening. I thought that was great. Right. Yeah. I mean, and and I understand why they didn't have so much of it in there because they didn't want to. You're waiting for kind of like the climax. I'm surprised they had the budget for that one big action sequence. Well, yeah, you've seen it in the, the in the trailer with the bird, the, the, actually, or the mechanical. You know, you bird. know what I would have loved if if they'd have stuck with because uh, because uh, the the story is that Keaton or that uh, 
his character, uh, Regan Thomas Thompson, left the franchise in 1992, mm-hmm. which of course is when Batman Returns was right. released. I would have liked if they had have kept uh, the look like that matched uh, like 90s special effects. Yeah, like just just it would have been just a weird oh. touch to me, you know, because I mean this big CGI bird. Yeah, it's attacking. Uh, it wouldn't have been um, doable in '92. Yeah, yeah. What were the big? Well, when did uh, Terminator well, Two come out? Ninety, ninety-one. But I mean, you didn't get real big CGI characters like that till Jurassic Park. I w- just w- talking about uh, the Burton Batman films. It was a lot of miniatures. Oh. Like Batman Returns is full of miniatures, or or I guess. Uh, enlargements like you know the penguins that walk around in batman oh right yeah returns are they're actually little people actors <laughs> it's true they're they're wearing penguin suits and they just shot like on a bigger set so. that's funny yeah but Bur- oh, man i really enjoyed it. i really like this movie a lot I, yeah i thought it hit on a lot of different things and it brings up some interesting interesting debate topics when it comes to you know the world we're living in as yeah, People who go to the movies all the time, and it's done so in a super smart, sharp way. It's it's well written, it's well performed, it's well executed. It's it's great to look at. It's. I really wish I liked it better. I feel bad. Now. Boo! I'm gonna have to go pull Cody and go watch it again. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Exactly. Let's go ahead and move on to our next review, Nightcrawler. Oh, that's fantastic! Oh, that's a great piece of tape. You didn't get an interview with a couple. I have footage of them. I, I have an interview with a neighbor. She curses, but you can cut that out. How did you get inside the house? The door was open. They allowed you. Well, I heard somebody yell to come in, and when nobody was inside, I left. And the only shot of the couple is through a window. The police were shutting it down. No, I don't like it. Like what? The footage looks like he broke in. There's no close-up of the homeowners, and he's giving us their name off a piece of private correspondence. Excuse me, that's junk mail. Well, I have a problem with that. We'll knock out a killer package. This is my job. No! Your job's writing the tweet of the day and getting Deb to turn sideways during the weather forecast. We're running it. When Lou Bloom, a driven man desperate for work, muscles into the world of L.A. crime journalism, he blurs the line between observer and participant to become the star of his own story. Okay, I didn't see this. The two of you did. Kiko, why don't you start? I'm disappointed that you didn't see it because I really wanted to ask you a bunch of questions about, you know, how the news you station can, works. You can I ask mean, me still. I've been in, you know, of course I've been over there uh, and I've seen some of the back-end stuff that happens. Go ahead. You can ask me. Okay, so... Okay, well, this story is about a guy that... Um, Jake Gyllenhaal plays this guy who, you know, he's uh, trying to look for work. Uh, he He's a thief. He steals, like, copper and, you know, chain-link fence to, to make some cash uh-huh. at a scrapyard. But he's looking for work. He re- he's really motivated. Um, and he just stumbles upon this accident one day uh, and sees these uh, stringers uh, mm-hmm. at, like, 3 in the morning capturing footage um and he asked about it like hey are you hiring it seemed like something that he was kind of interested in and uh so he looks into it and he's like a you know self-starter type person so he just jumps into the industry and becomes this the stringer and if you don't know what a stringer is it's somebody that doesn't actually work for the newscast but um will sell their um it's it's like a freelance photographer like a freelance photographer sell the footage to the highest bidder so what i want to know is do you all does do y'all have stringers? Uh, there is there is one local guy. Yeah, there's one dude. One guy. Yeah, I mean, we're a, San Antonio's a small right. market. Um, there's one guy. Uh, used to be him and his uh, dad. I don't know if they do it. You know uh, what? I read. I I've, I've heard about them. Yeah. I 
Um, but they, they go out at early in the morning. Yeah. Um, you know, we have, and there's like overnight guys at our stations to supplement too, but there's one guy that goes everywhere and he edits the footage and, and sells it. I mean, and everybody uses him every station in town. So it's not like he's, you know, uh, but is it a bitter thing? Oh, it's not. So I think he, I don't know the, the details of, uh, of what his payment plan is, but I mean, I think, I think, I think we probably like get a monthly invoice from him or something. Mm. So, I mean, he's not, you know, he's not some like dirtbag criminal, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, it's not, it's not some sketchy situation. I mean, this is a business that, that he runs. Right. Right. So this is uh, set in LA. So of course there's going to be a lot more, uh, crime going on there and uh, crazy things happening at uh, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning when this guy goes out and uh, videotapes stuff. Um, I, again, I'm, I'm not sure how this would work. I, I don't know how um, realistic it is, but it seemed like there should be should have been more press out there at that time. I don't know how you yeah. felt. Uh, it seemed like a little like he, he jumped in. Like at the per- perfect opportune time for him to start making money. Uh, the thing about his character is that he has no shame in any part of his life, so he'll just go and stick the camera in front of some bleeding dude's face, and yeah. until the cops like, you know, force him out of the way. Um, Bill Paxson plays a, a another of the stringers who um, doesn't like what he's doing, I guess, kind of. Um, but there's this one scene where he gets right in the face of the guy and the other cameramen are standing around, you know, far enough away. But since Jake Gyllenhaal's character gets too close, they make all the cameramen leave. Like, get out of here, all of y'all. And the the one cameraman that was kind of doing it right or playing it safe gets all pissed at him. Like, man, I had a great shot here now because you're so stupid. Whoa. And you go so close to the action, they kick everybody out. So he doesn't know all the rules or all the unwritten rules of... So his job. What is he? Uh, what is he shooting with? Is he shooting? Uh, he's shooting with a, a really cheap camera until he starts making money, and then he starts getting you know buying more equipment. Um, uh, it's a it's a really uh, entertaining film. I, I I enjoyed it a lot. I um, I thought Hall was crazy. Um, in terms of like he has like this psychotic these psychotic moments. Um, kind of reminded me of a Patrick Bateman type character from um, American Psycho. Um, but I really like the way that you know. It, it, kind of brings that industry into light and how uh fast paced it is and how you, you know you're sitting there and listening to the um police monitor and you got to be somewhere in you know the next five minutes or somebody else is going to scoop you and take the money that you're going to make selling it to uh one of the local stations so um i thought it was fun i i really enjoyed his character i really enjoyed the story um there was a couple of scenes at the end where I felt that didn't really need to continue. But other than that, I I would recommend it. Cody, uh, you know I, I I sort of feel similarly to or similar to how Jared felt um, about Birdman, and it, which is I wanted to like it more than I did. I thought it was good. Um, I think that Jake Gyllenhaal is 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 good in it. Uh, very good in it. He sort of, he plays this crazy person, and in, in, in you know, the best parts of the movie are when you know basically Jake Gyllenhaal's character has this list of like sayings or quotes or inspirational quotes that he just likes to spew off, you know, randomly, and he sounds insane when he does it, and he's got like giant bug eyes, and he, he lost a bunch of weight, right, for the for the role. 
Uh, I don't. He know. looks like he's skinnier. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, um, Gyllenhaal is great. He's definitely the best part about this movie, and I and I do like you know Bill Paxton. I like anytime Bill Paxton gets to uh, gets to show his range at all. Um, I think that some of the elements of the news footage capturing filming stuff, it all feels a little far fetched. Yeah, um, I don't know if you had a shot of somebody bleeding on a couch that just got shot in the stomach. You wouldn't show that on. No. Um, yeah, and so some of that, I mean, there's no way that a I mean, local news station, even if they're you dying know, for ratings, dying for ratings, would show somebody you know in a pool of blood. I mean, um, uh, it's like Mexico type. Yeah. Front page shit that we're talking about. Here. I mean, they, uh, you know, editors will will send out notes of video because I mean the guys will shoot it. You know, they'll shoot everything. Right. Uh, but the editors will send out notes like, hey, don't use this cut of video because, you know, there's a dead body or somebody uh, cusses or, you know, or there's just a disturbing amount of blood. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never it's never, um, uh, you know, there's there's never a shot of a dead body. You'll maybe see the tarp, you know, that they cover somebody with. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's never like the shot of somebody dying you know, somebody getting killed. Right. Right. And this is where, uh, I agree with Cody where it was a little, uh, where it was a lot far fetched that in a place like Los Angeles, especially where this would have gotten a lot more coverage that the fact that the, the news would have covered the news doing this, you know what I mean? And right. they didn't do that at all. And, and I don't think I get the elements of, um, you know, if they're trying to say anything in terms of, you know, this is what, uh, people are attracted to they're attracted to violence and blood and stuff. I get that, but I don't. I don't think that message really connected. Yeah, I mean, were... it didn't really connect because I think that's just kind of a known thing yeah. in terms of like if it bleeds, it leads type stuff. But I mean, it's fun. It's. I mean, there are some fun parts of it, and Gyllenhaal is 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 worth your time and worth watching. Um, I just didn't think there was anything, you know, sort of below the surface to this movie. I think it's just kind of a what you see is what you get. Right. What I would have also liked a lot more is the. Uh, because this is all in a bubble, and Jake Gyllenhaal's a little bubble. So I would have liked to have seen how the other news stations re- were reacting to this guy. Because he, he's only sh- um, selling to this one station that really needs the ratings. They're like fourth or fifth place or whatever in the in the ratings. So um, they're really desperate for his footage. And so um, I would have liked to have seen how the other news stations were reacting to what the other what Jake Gyllenhaal's news station was showing now. And kind of like beating them all. Um, in terms of coverage. Um, and then another thing I didn't really care for at all was the sexual, um, uh, I guess, undertones that him and Rene Russo, because Rene Russo plays his, uh, I guess, the uh, news director, yeah. who basically tells people what's going to run, uh, uh, what what parts of Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, footage are, she wants to use. Yeah. Um, there's a point in the movie where he, Almost kind of blackmails her uh, f- uh, um, with um, the fact that he's not going to sell her stuff, uh, sell her footage anymore if he doesn't get into this relationship with her. Um, and it didn't really work. That part I didn't, I didn't care for. I wish they would have just kept her as the straight news director, who's a hard ass as well, and that, them butting heads. The whole relationship portion of that didn't, didn't, didn't work for me. No, I, I agree. Um... And I think you know, I think that there are parts that are funny in it, and I think those are some 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 good parts as well. Especially you know at the expense of Jake Gyllenhaal being absolutely insane. And I think this is you know, again I think it's good. 
I think I would recommend it. But I think it's nothing more than a platform for Jake Gyllenhaal to continue this really good streak he's on of really good performances. I don't think it's anything further than that. Hmm. Um, yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal's great. Um, I did like some aspects of the news, uh, the news part, but I'm a big lover of films that have anything to do with like media and stuff like that. Like I love newspaper movies. And so it was nice to see something that I hadn't seen before in terms of like going behind the, behind the, you know, pulling the curtain back and seeing what happens at three in the morning in terms of, um, journalists, um, photojournalists and their jobs. Um, another, I had another question that I want to ask. So what here in San Antonio, would I be able to like, just start a business like this and be, cause you said there's only a, a couple of people that do it. So could I undercut everybody if I went and bought a police scanner and a, and a really good camera? Yeah. I mean, you could, you could undercut them. I mean, they wouldn't like it, but I mean, uh, but I mean, if they're the only ones, I mean, there's no company, they have, they're cornered, cornering the market. Well, I mean, the, the idea is if it, uh, you gotta be cheaper than, than sending your own guy out, you know? Cause I mean, every now and then we'll get a, you know, the stations will get a, a you know, a, the idea that like, hey, we can just have our own overnight photog do this because we got all these people, you know, and he can listen to the scanner here at the station or in this car and just go out and shoot this stuff, and we don't have to pay a third party for it, right? To air the same footage, but I mean, um, I don't know. It just seemed like they, he was the the Gyllenhaal's character was really uh, focused on getting there before everybody else, but that's not a problem here. I mean, it's just as long as you get somebody there while things are happening. Yeah, I mean, because you're not going to use that other footage anyway if you got there and saw somebody hanging out. You know, the, the you know, if you saw like the aftermath, like if you got like maybe if you happened upon a car accident right away, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're not going to use the 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 footage without the authorities there because I mean, it's just it's not something somebody wants to see. They don't want to see a dead body. You know, they don't want to see a grisly car wreck, you know, that's not being maintained. I mean, you, you look at the... They the, don't want to see it or it's not morally right to show it. Because I, the, what they're saying here is that everybody wants to see it. That, that's why they're okay, getting the ratings. Get, oh, so yeah, I, get the, I get that. But that's not true. I mean, you, you think of your average TV news watcher and it's not, you know, some, some uh, you know, voyeuristic, you know, young guy i mean if you if you want to see dead bodies right you can now get you on go, the internet you, right. and go to something but yeah. the average uh viewer of tv news is an older you know it's an older generation it's not some people that want to see you know the grisly aftermath of a of a gunfight or whatever because because you look at look at what like watch any morning newscast in this market and you'll see the overnight news is always you know oh there was a house fire here there was a, a car accident here and it's always the footage after the fact. I mean, if you can get there and the house is burning, shoot it because it looks great. But you never, you know, it's not like, hey, there's they pulled a dead body out of this house. I mean, we had a, this is awful footage that we showed, you know, morally. There was a, a footage of a, this has been 10, 12 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, a, uh, there was a house fire and, you know, a child died. Mm-hmm. And there was footage of the firefighter pulling the child taking the child's body out of the house wrapped in a, you know, a, a I don't know what you call it, a tarp, something like that, mm. some sort of cloth. And I mean, it's obviously the body of a child and I don't know why we aired it. And it, it got pulled right away. As soon as the first time we saw it aired, it was like, no, we can't air this because nobody wants to see this. Nobody wants to see a child's body 
even though it's covered completely, being taken out of, uh, you know, a, a tragedy. Because you're getting ready for, you know, you're watching the news in the morning, you're getting ready for work. You know, you're watching the news at night. You're getting ready for bed. <laughs> you know, it's not a, it's not that sort of environment, right? And there's all that commentary like that, like, oh, if it bleeds, it leads. Like, well, yeah, because people want to know what's terrible going on. They don't want to see a gunshot, but they want to know if crime is getting bad, right? If, if uh, you know, drivers are getting becoming more irresponsible. Um. I mean, it's a it's a constant battle in the industry to to balance quote good news with bad news. Mm-hmm. But you know, if if you if you drove home from work, like say you're driving home from work, and you see, you know, there's a huge pileup on the highway, a huge you know delay, and you see on the the signs, it's, you know, the the tr- the the Department of Transportation signs that say like you know major accident, blah blah blah, use this exit instead. Right. Or you're driving home and you see a big plume of smoke, you know, miles away. You're when you get home, you want to see what happened. You know, you want to know what yeah. the news was. You don't want to know, you know that that's why that stuff comes first in the newscasts because people want to know what the fuck happened. Mm-hmm. You know, what did I see that was bad? And uh, that sort of gets conflated into people thinking that. You know, filmmakers saying like, "Oh, people just want to see blood and guts and all this other stuff." And no, nobody wants to see a dead body. Nobody wants to see the pool of blood on the highway. Mm. They want to know like, "Hey, there was a bad accident. Two guys died." You know, or uh, you know, someone's house burned down. Everyone's okay, but the family dog didn't make it, or whatever. Yeah. So I, I, that's where the the film world's news industry differs from. Yeah, well, now, now that industry. you, when you mentioned, when you explained it like that, I guess this seems more like a fantasy now in a fantasy world type right. thing because I think you would have a really big problem with the way that they sh- show this or pretend like the news works because it really doesn't. I mean, LA is a different market. <laughs> um, <and laughs> but I don't know if, I mean, again, I mean, if still- LA was doing it, then everybody would know about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if there, if there was some rogue news station that all of a sudden started showing like, Hey, they're going to start showing the dead bodies and the, you know, the, right. But the only thing different about LA news is there's one, I can't remember what station it is, but they're like purposely really rough on the air, like really fucked up. Like they, like, <laughs> like the shots will be wrong and stuff. Oh really? I can't remember what station it is, but I, when we were out there a couple of years ago, I was watching, I was like, this is really shitty. <laughs> Like this is a this is the number one number two market in the nation and they look like crap. And I talked to a friend of mine. He's like, oh yeah, they do that on purpose. Like that's their thing. Oh. Like, it's supposed to be like like off the cuff live TV feel. Oh, I see. Anyway, yeah. Well, then I definitely don't think you would have cared for it in terms of um, the believa- realism. Yeah, realism and believability um, of how the industry works. Uh, for a piece of entertainment, though, um, I thought it was fine. You recommend it or not? I, I do. I recommend it. And Cody, you recommend it? Yeah, I give a I give it a recommendation. Not a strong one, but yeah, a recommendation nonetheless. All right, let's go and move on to our last segment. Find a comfy spot on the couch and welcome to No Ticket Required. This is our Netflix picks of the month. We we uh, one of these days we should pick something else. If anything else comes close to rivaling Netflix, <laughs> yeah, we will someday. Someday it'll be like on Amazon Prime. I recommend on Redbox on Yahoo Screen. Yeah, I recommend yeah, Yahoo Screen. Uh, so who wants to start? 
Uh, I'll start. Um, my pick of the uh, month, I guess. Um, and we're trying to pick movies that actually just popped up on Netflix in the past week. Cody's so. trying to pick something that's new that popped up on Netflix, but I pref- I think yours and eyes of your yours and mine have been there for. I mean, they're older releases. They're they're older releases that just popped up. But so mine is uh, um, the romantic comedy. Yes, I said romantic comedy, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I hate when people think that guys don't like romantic comedies just because they're romantic comedies. Yeah. Well, it's got to be. I mean, it has it's... to be a good one. Like this one. It's called Love Actually. I love and that movie. It's probably one of uh, the best romantic comedies I've seen in the last 10 years. Has it been 10 years? 10, 15 years? It's been uh, 12 oh. years. I, wait, wait, it either came out in 2002 or 2004. can't remember which one. I remember I saw this at the Southside um, um, Santico's Theater here in town. Uh, the the, the Mayan, Mayan Palace? The Mayan Palace, and it's when the Mayan Palace first opened. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, they remodeled it. They remodeled it, and they had a um, screening of this movie like three months in advance of really? when it came out. Yeah. Wow. And so I remember walking in like, oh, I'm going to watch a really cheesy romantic comedy. But it was really good. This this movie uh, is a great film to see around Christmas time now that Christmas is coming up. Um, Dude, I hate the Christmas creep. It's not coming up. It's like a two, more than like, – The I mean, Christmas it's like, creep. It's, it's like two months <laughs> Two months away. away still. I fucking hate that because like you walk into a store now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you, yeah. Get, you get the Christmas decorations. And my friend same. is like, oh, they have the red cups at Starbucks now. Like, Fuck. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> now, I made a an, uh, an, uh, very uh, big blunder a couple of years ago when I did a review of this um, or did a picks. I don't remember what I did on, on, on the air or uh, on on the net, on the web with uh, with Bob when he asked me to pick a family film for Christmas. And I picked Love Actually. Oh, it's not really a family film. Yeah. It, I mean, take away some of the... Um, Take away because there's a lot of different um, uh, storylines that come into this. So one of the storylines is these two people who play uh, uh, stand-ins for pornography. Um, They're lighting stand-ins. Yeah, they they stand-ins for pornography actors. So when the the porn stars have to stand out, these guys come in and fill in for for them just to get you know the shots where the you know the lighting should be and things like that. So. <laughs> I forgot that that part was in there and I recommended it. And Bob was like, the guy that works at the station, uh, Bob Gambert. He, um, He'll love the shout out. Go ahead. <laughs> he was like, how could you have recommended that movie with the porn scenes in there? Because they do show it's nudity. And what did he like, like show it to his kids or something? I think so. Like they watched it together and then it was like, oh, sorry. He did, he did that with something else. I, I can't remember what. But like it starts off with like blatant. New- oh, it's Spring Breakers. Oh, that's right. <laughs> hey, kids, come watch this movie about uh, it's yeah. it's all you got. You're all your favorite teen stars. I hear James Franco's a delight. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, no, I love this movie too. Yeah, um, I mean, it's there's some real over the top uh, cheese, right on like purpose. The, I know, but like the the some of the musical stings. Uh huh. Um, the way that they portray uh, Americans is oh, really over God, the top. Oh God, I love that. I yeah. love that. So and and I don't know if it's uh, uh, what song was it? Was it Rob Thomas? The um, smooth. Oh, uh, I can't remember what song it was. But, but there, there's something that's like, like it's got to be satir. It's got to be a satirical choice for music, right? Because it's just so shitty, over the top, 
because like it, the, if you don't know, the character goes to he goes to was it Wisconsin? Oh yeah, to, to, to look for uh for he wants an American woman. And uh, who it's uh it's January Jones, Alicia Cuthbert, and uh, uh, not, Shannon Elizabeth. No, it's not Shannon Elizabeth. No, it's not Shan- it's not Shannon Elizabeth. Are you sure? The American Pie Girl. Yeah. No. Who was it? Though? I don't know who. I don't know who the well, because like the was. epitome of American hotness was Denise Richards, right? Oh, right, right. Who was it? Are you sure it's not Shannon Elizabeth? Mm, I know. I'm pretty sure it wasn't her. You got the other two right. Well, um, I'm gonna look it up while you talk. <laughs> the the other part that I like is uh, Billy Bob Thorne plays the American president, and he comes in. He's just like this real um, sleazeball type character. He's very Clinton esque. Bill yeah, Clinton esque. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm trying to remember. Well, it's it's a bunch of interconnecting storylines. Hugh Grant plays the prime minister of uh, of uh, what you, you I lost my phone. <laughs> it's <laughs> Hugh Grant plays the prime minister of, of the UK. And uh, he's single, and he falls for—is it one of his secretaries? Oh yeah, one of somebody that works in the office with him at Ten Downing Street. And then uh, he—that's intercut with—it's uh, uh, Emma Thompson and um, Alan Rickman are a couple that are kind of drifting apart, and he's wanting to have an affair with uh, with one of the women at his office. Mm-hmm. Liam Neeson plays a guy that lost his wife, which is kind of weird because. He's done that a few times, and he's actually and he actually lost his wife in real life. So I don't know how he God, is able weird. to do. Is that weird or is it coincidental? No, sad. no, no, no. I mean, I'm just saying that it's interesting that he's able to find the strength to do characters like that because he did that in. Um, that was before his wife died, right? Yeah. Well, Love actually was. Yeah. But then he did um, the Wolf movie, uh, the the Gray. The gray. Where that happens, and then um, apparently that's something that happens in Taken Three, um, based Spoiler. on the trailer. Based yeah. on the trailer, <laughs> uh, and then there's uh, well, yeah, he's uh, in the, the his son um, is pining after a girl, right? Um, and uh, then Colin Firth's character is a writer who uh, is goes to some remote cabin to write, and he has a. An assistant that uh, what she only speaks Spanish, is it, mm, or she's um, Portuguese? I think it's. I'm not sure which one it is. I can't remember what. Uh, but anyway, so so he falls in love with her, and then you've got um, storyline I don't like so much is uh, Laura Linney's. Oh, and her uh, brother. Yeah, yeah. there's and, another. Uh, I mean, there's another one too. It's with uh, Karen Knightley. Oh yeah, uh, Karen Knightley and uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor and uh, Andrew Lincoln. Man, you're good at remembering. I, I I love that movie. I, I, the, the weird Actors, thing is, like, I wouldn't have remembered Andrew Lincoln's name. Well, because he's uh, he's, now he's in Walking Dead. Yeah, and uh, the weird thing I remember is like Kira Knightley was like seventeen when that movie came out, and but she's supposed to be playing like somebody's oh really wife. That was a sweet. It's a really sweet movie. I mean, other than the porn part, you know, but oh. that's supposed to be funny. I I so, thought it was. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, God, who was the who were the women? The women Emma Thompson. No, I'm trying to. I'm still trying to figure out the American. Oh, 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 man! You're really slow on the on the trigger there, buddy. Sorry, Cody usually helps me out here, but Cody's just being silent. Do you not like Love Actually? I've Cody? never seen it. Really? What? Yeah. Well, that's a good movie to check out for Christmas. Watch with your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward to the porn part. You know, my fiance hadn't seen it until a couple years ago. Did she love uh, it? She did. She was crying. Oh, it's a total tearjerker. Yeah. I love when I can introduce her to stuff that like, I know she would have loved had she seen it originally, you know, it, uh, you know, when it was originally released and Ivana Milcevic. 
That's the other girl. Yeah. Hmm. January Jones, Alicia Cuthbert. Uh, she is to- Shannon Elizabeth is totally in Love Actually, by the way. Is she? Yes. Where I was right. You were wrong. Where is she? She was Harriet, the sexy one. How's that crow taste, Kiko? <laughs> oh, so there was four. Yeah, I, Shannon Elizabeth is in it. Yeah. I don't remember who the fourth girl was, but of the of the established actresses. Oh, Shannon Elizabeth. Man, what happened to Shannon Elizabeth? Just the same. She, she disappeared. Was she ever here? I mean, well, because both her and January Jones were in American Pie movies. Oh, that's right. January. Well, I like Jones. January Jones in American Wedding. January Jones is a terrible actress. Yeah, <laughs> otherwise she's awful. Uh, Alicia Cuthbert. I, I really like another one that I like that uh, I don't think gets a lot of appreciation uh, with Alicia Cuthbert is uh, the Girl Next Door. Did you oh, like that? That's I another porn. Sam, I liked it. Jared just likes porn movies. <laughs> oh, I love Timothy Oliphant in that movie. God, he's so fucking good. You like Orgasmo, too? I haven't seen Orgasmo. Is Timothy Oliphant in that? No, it's just a porn movie. Oh. I like Justified with Timothy Oliphant. That's yeah. a TV show. Anyway, so Love Actually. Yeah. Um, hopefully it stays through Christmas because it's a good Christmas film. Oh, it's a great Christmas I, film. My, I think my favorite storyline is Bill Nye. The, the science up, guy? Yes. <laughs> the washed up uh, rock guy that... Uh, yeah, when you think about it, man, what? How many storylines is that? Like seven or eight? It has to be. There's a lot. You would think that it got it would get diluted, but it, it doesn't. I wished. Uh, I talked about some was this with somebody. I wished that the Christmas song that they kept playing. Cause remember, it was like right. A, uh, whatever. What was, I can't remember what it was called, but I wish it was the same one from. Uh, uh, about a boy. about a boy. Yeah, that'd have been cool. Santa Super Slay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, love actually. Go see it, Cody. It's good. Okay. Go watch it. It's very romantic. Okay, hold on. I'm going to go watch it. <laughs> All right. Come back when you... This, this podcast is going to be five hours long. <laughs> it's already pretty long. All right, Cody, what's your pick? So I'm going with a pick of a movie that I don't think is amazing. I think it's good. I like it. Who Are Are you me this week? Cause that's what well, here's saying. the thing. Here's why I'm picking it. Because I think uh, the movie I'm going with is liberal arts... Uh, Josh Radner's second film that he's done that he's written and directed. The reason I'm picking it is because I think that somewhere in the next few years, Josh Radner is going to do a really good movie. And I think that he has it in him to make a really, really good movie. And he just gets in the way of himself of doing it. I think that, uh, and you'll see this if you watch Liberal Arts or if you've seen his first movie, Happy Thank You More Please. He has this ability to to be really pretentious, which there are parts in liberal arts that are very pretentious, but he also has this ability to try to be completely poignant and profound with every single line of dialogue in the movie. Um, now, there are some parts where he completely nails what he's going for, and I think that liberal arts is a good balance of nailing things and falling a little bit short. So I think that this is going to be a good movie to look back to someday to say this was a guy figuring himself out, figuring out how to become a filmmaker. And When, um, when was this released? Uh, this was released in... 2012. 2012. It has him in the movie uh, and uh, Elizabeth Olsen. And basically uh, he works at a college and he never really became what he wanted to. And then he goes and revisits an old professor played by Richard Jenkins. And, um, he meets, uh, Elizabeth Olsen's character. Who's a student. He's way, she's way younger than him. I think like by like 16 or 17 years. 
and uh, and they have this sort of romantic relationship um, that's both long distance and uh, you know face to face, and um, you know again uh, I think that there's a lot of really good stuff in here and there's a lot of not so great, um, but I think it's funny and I think it's smart at times and I think that the parts of the movie that are written uh, well are very well written. And then um, I think he sort of loses it a little bit. And it's not a movie. It was a movie that was decently received. It's at like 70% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is fresh. Um, I know Kiko did not care for it. Now, did, it did it ever have a big – it never had a big theatrical release though. No. Uh, I don't think it ever came here locally. Did it? Uh, it might have. Maybe for a week. Even at the height of his How I Met Your Mother fame. Oh, my God. What? what? I no, hate what? that show. I don't mind it. Um, but I, I agree. I think Josh Radner might be able to do something um, interesting. I just hope he doesn't fall into – he reminds me of Zach Braff too much. They're they're very similar, very, we, very similar. I remember similar. we talked about Josh Radner when we talked about Wish I Was Here. Yeah, I, I brought it up because I think that – and you've never seen either of his movies, I haven't seen right? either one, no. I would be interested to see what you think of liberal arts. Um, I know, haven't got a chance to see Happy Thank You More, please, but I've heard good things. Is it is it a stronger film than – is his first film stronger than his second? I think that Happy Thinking More Please is a is a crowd pleaser. I think that he, and he I think he, he tries to be it. I think I think liberal arts is a little bit more mature, but um, you know you will see it when you watch these movies where you're like, oh my god, why is he trying to be so profound right now? Just like <laughs> just like you know have these people talk normal. Um, but Elizabeth Olsen is really good in this movie. Um, it's you know she, I think she followed it. It was right after she did Martha Marcy May Marlene and. You know those those two films back to back are probably the best that she's ever been. I don't know if I've seen her in anything better. Um, Just wait till Avengers: Age of Ultron. <laughs> yeah, uh, where she's Scarlet Witching. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely think you should check this out. And again, like I said, I think it's going to be a movie that people will point back to where he's like, "Oh man, this was he almost had it." And then I think he'll finally. I wonder get if he'll it. turn into a David Schwimmer, just a guy that just keeps turning stuff out that nobody cares about. <laughs> it could be. Paul uh, Bear. No, I mean uh, David Schwimmer, the director. Yeah, he did. Uh, he did Run, Didn't... Fat Boy, Run, which I liked, but I also love oh, Simon yeah. Pegg. Uh, and then what's the movie with the the girl, the like the, with the dragon tattoo? No, that like the is it Trust with the the teen oh, yeah. girl that gets. Is he directed that? Yeah, it's yeah. David Schwimmer. Have you seen that movie? I've seen parts of it. Man, that that movie is very, um, very realistic. I, I I was very surprised about about that movie. That's uh, I Co- liked it. is it uh, not Colin Firth? Um, who's the other guy that was in uh, Sin City? Damn it! Mm-hmm. The other British actor. Uh, God damn remember. it! Because it, it's Catherine Keener in Clive in, Owen. Clive Owen, thank you. Cody just looked at me like I was stupid. No, I was looking at you trying to figure it out. But yeah, anyway, liberal arts. Uh, check it out if you want to see a filmmaker who almost has it, but you can see where he needs to improve. It's an interesting thing to look at, I think. Jared? My pick is a classic comedy. Have you seen uh, – I don't know if you, have you've seen this. It's Airplane. Oh, yeah. What? Airplane? That's a classic? Just kidding. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. No, real? I've seen Airplane. Uh, this is uh, – like the first big, uh, I guess it's the first big spoof movie that everybody really acknowledges started the genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, from the Zucker brothers, uh, well, Abrams Zucker, Z A Z, as you may see in the credits. Um, Jim Abrams and David Zucker, and Jerry Zucker. Yeah, uh, 
who even now can't replicate the formula. Like the, the, I guess the spoof movie is kind of dead. I think it died with, uh, <clears throat> vampires suck. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that one. But now the, the Seltzer Freeberg is it Seltzer Freeberg? Yeah. Uh, favorite directors. <laughs> yeah. They've taken it over and like the spoof genre has really gotten a bad name from them. Cause now it's just references to things. It's not actual jokes. Yeah, when was the last time there was a good spoof movie? <clears throat> I was trying to remember that when I was thinking about airplane. I think it's probably honestly the Naked Gun Two. Really? I mean, and that's been that was released in 1991, so it's been an awful long time. It's I, been I, that I, long. I haven't seen it in forever, but I think Scary Movie Two was so out there and weird, and that was the one with like Chris Elliott and David Cross and. Uh, which one? Where, where? At which point in Scary Movie did it stop being a Wayne's movie, Keenan Ivory Wayne's movie, and move to? Because I think the Zucker brothers took that over, didn't they? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I, Scary Movie Two was because one of them has Andy Richter as a priest. That was Scary Movie Two. Okay, I haven't. I think I only seen the first one. But that was Keenan Keenan Wayne's. Oh wait, or was it three? I don't know. I've only seen the first one. I just remember the first one with the penis impales the guy in the head. What about are the Austin Powers considered? Oh, uh, well, Galaxy Quest is a spoof. Yeah, the, yeah well, not David, not the same. Scary Movie Three is when they took over, but it also when is when it went PG thirteen. Okay, the first two were rated R. Well, okay, so Airplane, if you don't know, is a spoof of the uh, kind of airline uh, airport genre of the seventies, where it was like always some air disaster waiting to happen. There's a whole bunch of airport movies uh, from then. I think like Airport 77, Airport yeah. 76, things like that. So this involves a uh, a pilot who uh, it's a, it's a plane that gets uh, the served a bad meal and they all get food poisoning. And this this pilot who has uh, is it uh, like post traumatic stress disorder? <laughs> yeah, from uh, from something uh, an event at Macho Grande. It's just some <laughs> some battle that happened in some fictional war. Uh, so he has to take over flying the plane, and uh, Lloyd Bridges plays the uh, like the air traffic control chief, who's just insane. Uh, there's, I guess, a sort of politically incorrect uh, super gay character who also works in mission and uh, not mission control uh, air traffic control with him. Um, there's. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar <laughs> playing a, a captain and then a kid comes and talks to him uh, in the cockpit. This is back, you know, when kids used to be able to visit the cockpit and he talks to, to Kareem and says, uh, he's playing a character, but then he starts, the kids start talking to him as, as if he's actually Kareem and just breaks the fourth wall and says like, look kid, if you had to drag Bill Walton up and down the court, 48 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> and so it just, it's, it's things like that. And then uh, my favorite scene in the whole movie, and I showed this to you a few months ago, Kiko. Oh, right. Yeah. Robert Stack is like this badass. Uh, I can't remember what he is, like a badass pilot or something. And he's getting, he gets the call that there's a, there's a plane that may crash at the airport. So he's getting dressed in the mirror while the guy that came to get him is being attacked by the dog, by his <laughs> dog. And then it cuts to a shot of him getting ready in the mirror and his wife's looking on like you know pensively and then instead of him being where he was looking in the mirror he walks out of the mirror <laughs> like it's just fucking it's weird it's weird and it cracks me up it's just the whole the movie's full of things like that that are just weird and random um 
And this is a movie that was rated PG, and it actually has boobies in it. Yeah. Uh, PG with boobies. So it, it's it's kind of a uh, uh, a marker of how far we've descended <laughs> in time that a PG thirteen a PG movie used to be okay to have boobs in it. Uh, now I think boobs are an automatic R. I would uh, assume so. Yeah. Not uh, if you're a Chelsea Handler. I didn't see those pictures. Oh, you didn't? Well, I mean, they're everywhere because she. Never mind. I actually prefer. I, I love Airplane, but I prefer the Naked Gun. The oh first yeah, Naked Gun over it. Because well, Leslie Nielsen is so good in Airplane. <laughs> I just want you to know we're both counting. We're <laughs> counting on you both. Yeah, uh, and if there's a sequel to Airplane uh, mm-hmm. called Airplane Two, the sequel. I don't know if that's on Netflix or not. Uh, it, allegedly, the the Zucker the Zucker brothers have nothing to do with it. They weren't involved at all, and allegedly they've never seen it. Oh really? Wow! But it's a pretty strong movie, I think, on its own. It deals with uh, instead of them it being a plane, it's a space shuttle that's flying like the first commercial shuttle flight. <laughs> There's a lot of callbacks <laughs> to the original movie, but it did it did open that without the without airplane, we wouldn't have gotten even Police Squad, the TV series, and then. The Naked Gun, which I think is one of the funniest movies I do too. of my lifetime. I think so, too. I The first Naked Gun movie is so goddamn funny. And it holds up, too. It holds up to repeat viewings. It holds up completely. Is it on Netflix? I don't know. Right, look. It's on my DVD shelf. I know that. Uh, the, uh, keep stalling. Do you like, do you like uh, The Naked Gun 2? I, I haven't, you know, I don't go back and watch that one as much. Yeah, the the first uh, the first Naked Gun is on Netflix. Sweet, and Naked I know Gun what I'm doing today. Have you ever have you ever seen Police Squad? I think we talked about Police Squad before. I've seen clips from it. I haven't seen the whole thing. I've I've got it on DVD. I haven't watched it in like ten years, but it's it's exactly it's the Naked Gun. It is the Naked Gun yeah. precursor. Um, but airplane airplanes it's it's kind of slow moving. If you watch it now, if you're used to kind of modern comedies and uh, it's really indulgent in some scenes, like there's a scene and it was recreated in Ted. Do you remember in Ted when they're, yeah. they're dancing and mm-hmm. it's the Saturday night fever, he's wearing like the Saturday night fever suit. Yeah. Uh, there's, and the naked gun used to do this all the time too, where it was obviously a stunt man dancing. Uh, Cause you'd see like just a guy in a gray wig doing Leslie Nielsen stunts. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's a scene in the, in airplane where, uh, um, Ted Stryker is his name. I can't remember the actor's name. Uh, is like flips through the air. Oh the yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he lands. But you can, if you watch the movie, you can see the the actor standing there waiting for his cue, and you can see him like pop up and walk out. <laughs> it's just little <laughs> things like that that, like you could tell it's made really cheaply. And the 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 airplane, whenever it's flying, like it's a jet, but it makes propeller sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember. Uh, uh, my drama teacher showed us this clip at the very beginning. It parodies Jaws, and it's like the airplane tail cutting through the clouds. Oh yeah, uh, it's just it's it's a really great movie. And if you ever liked any of those movies, any of those parody movies before they became shit, this is what you owed its existence to. Yeah, this is the one that started it all. I think. Cool. Do you like Spaceballs? Oh yeah. I haven't seen it. That's one what? I. I well, well, wait, I've seen parts of it in school once, but I don't. Know. <laughs> wait, in school you watch Spaceballs? <laughs> yeah, some some teacher brought it on a off day or something. We found shit, man. My my wife is a high school teacher. She brought anything that wasn't PG 
rated, she'd get in so much trouble. Uh, we watched Saving Private Ryan in school. We had to have permission slips. I can see that. It. I can see that. Uh, God, I remember I took a cinema class uh, in high school. I was the only I was the only freshman in a class full of seniors, but they let me take it. And we watched a um, interview with a vampire. And there's a scene where full full frontal nudity on a girl, and the teacher was standing in front of the TV during that part. That's how she edited it. She's like, "Okay, I got to stand in front of the TV for this part," and the students are like trying to push her out of the way. Miss move. The uh, the the one movie I saw uh, was uh, one teacher showed planes, trains, and automobiles. (laughs) But when you get to the part with Steve Martin at the counter. He just like went and just turned down the volume for the for that whole scene and then turned it back up. No, well, they they did the thing. It's uh, a great scene. I, we talked about this where we they showed us the Romeo and Juliet, the Zeffirelli like sixties version. Oh, where there's nudity. And they were just they like we got to stop it and fast forward it. And you know, that reminds me of working when I used to work at Albertsons back in the day. We'd have to show like the biggest video that was for sale at mm-hmm. the time on the the TV that we had, and it was Jerry Maguire. And, uh, <laughs> the scene with him and uh, Kelly Preston, yeah. she's like, "Don't ever stop fucking me." You had to stop it and fast forward past that part. Every You'd time. have to wait every single time. I think we just fast forward the movie past that part because that's right at the beginning. So, man, I wish I had more film classes. I took one in college, but it was a history class, and it was a history in film or something like that. Oh, I took something like that. I hated it. I dropped it. I saw a lot of not good movies, but I also saw a lot of like that was the first time I saw the lives of others was in that class. Oh, right. And I saw Downfall, the Hitler movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, the one that everybody uses the Hitler yeah. meme for. Well, yeah. this okay, th- that sounds like a way better class than I took because this was like starting from the beginning. So we'd watched Birth, oh. Birth of a Nation. Oh, have you ever seen Birth of a Nation? No, either of you. Mm-mm. I mean, it's it's known for pioneering like film techniques, like the the iris wipe and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it is just the most racist thing in the world. Oh, yeah. Mine was like a legit history course. Like, it was okay. a history course. <laughs> this was uh, – and then the next movie we watched, it was kind of cool. It was uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is um, real impressionistic. If you've ever seen like a Rob Zombie video, uh, that's basically his inspiration is The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Oh. I think there's actually a white zombie video that's basically a recreation of that movie. Speaking yeah. of racist movies. Yes. You have my attention. <laughs> I saw a movie that, if I say what it was, um, that I had never seen before until yesterday. I sat there and watched the whole thing. I'd never seen 16 Candles before. <laughs> I've never seen it either. Actually. Until yesterday. Uh, John Hughes' first movie uh, with Molly Ringwald. That movie is so racist. <laughs> There's a character, the Chinese uh, foreign exchange student. The Long Duck Dong. Yeah, yeah, every time he comes out, they hit a gong. <laughs> <laughs> you heard the- <laughs> it's like... There's a you've heard the John Mulaney joke about that? No. Uh maybe remind me. He just talks about how when he was a kid, he uh uh he he looked like he was Asian. Mm-hmm. And so everyone uh everyone would make fun of him for it and and he says that one time uh one time and of course John Mulaney's not Asian at all. And then he said that one time they took a field trip to the symphony and every time they banged the gong, everyone w- in the row in front of him would turn around to him and bow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's lots of like, especially like now, like I was mentioning with airplane, like the gay character. Yeah, like man, this or God, have you ever listened to Eddie Murphy? Oh my Uh, God, that is the most anti-gay stuff you can ever find. His base basically is uh is like 
there's like five minutes on every album of his in the eighties. It's like it's so homophobic. It's just him basically worrying about gay guys fucking him in the ass and giving him AIDS. Yeah, like that's the whole like fuck. Like holy cow, like, this was <laughs> huge at the time. And you listen to it now, you're like, oh my god. Like you think like something like Song of the South, the Disney movie, right. like is racist. Right. I right. mean, it is kind of, but like even like less like thirty years ago, like oh shit. Like we were really not progressive at all, no. gay people. That's funny, that's crazy. So, anyway, that's going to do it for this week's show. What do we have next week? Next week we have uh, Interstellar, the Chris Nolan film. That's right. We also have Big Hero Six. Yes, which uh, we've all already seen, and we have some differing opinions. Yeah. So, well, maybe. I don't think I don't know. I don't think we do. I hate Baymax. God damn it. <laughs> I don't really. Uh, anything else? Uh, I don't think so. Interstellar. There might be a couple of indies that we'll oh, yeah. take a look at. Indians? That's racist. <laughs> take a look at those Indians. All right. Native uh, Americans. If you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. You can call us 920-FILM-210-920-3456-210. Leave us a review on iTunes, please, or Stitcher, or on your wall, Facebook wall. They call it a wall anymore? No. I think so. Feed? Call, leave a review on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash. Yeah, we post these every week, and just if you have any thoughts about it, just comment and tell us how we're doing. Tell is, us is, if you is, hate us. Is it facebook.com slash cinesnob? No, I think it's facebook.com slash cinesnob critic. Because oh, I think happened? that Kiko took cinesnob for his personal page. God, this, like was, this was pre Cody Jared. God damn it. Fuck it all up. Anyway, uh, on that note, I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Kiko Martinez. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.